0: from the home offices of ash and flow this is unbillable hours a podcast about professional services marketing stick around to listen to our insights tips and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career
1: By the way, you asked me about the event we went
0: to, right? Oh, yeah. But before that, welcome everyone to another episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast. I'm sorry that I'm stealing your line flow, but there we go. Uh, That's fair.
1: That's fair. I was at risk of forgetting it. So thanks. Yeah, welcome everybody. And I was just about to fill in Ash on the... How the event went that we attended the so client friendly, my firm attended the Deutsche Beratertag, right, of the German's, yes. Germany's Industry Association of Consultancies. Quite a lively event. Started with an evening dinner or evening reception the day before, and I mm-hmm. went and had no expectations for it. I thought it would be a small circle of maybe keynote speakers or whatever. No, it was like 150, 160 people in there. Mm-hmm. Very lively, very interesting discussions. So that was good. Next next time uh, I'll go there and be, have higher expectations, maybe be better prepared for, for what it yeah, was. Be because we had some stuff. We had some, I had to actually quit it early and go back to the hotel because I had some stuff scheduled for later on the day. Next time around, I don't do that. So, I'm rambling. So, lively event. Next morning then started with us setting up the what turned out to be the coolest booth on the floor, if I say so myself, uh, because it just so happened. We had a tiny space that was, it's a conference, right? So it's not an exhibit per se, but there's like desks and and small, tiny booths outside. So we had one of those and ours was against a backdrop, nicely lit wall, which had a, the the texture of it was painted with something that had was to the variation of some percentage points, one of our brand's main colors. So it looked as if we had actually paid to have the entire wall done behind our thing, which we didn't. That was just coincidence. I got to send you a photo. So everybody went by and was like, why did you guys pay them to get this booth? And I'm like, sorry, guys, we got the same table and roll-ups as everybody else. It's just It just looks as if we paid for this. Anyway, so that was good. And then we were off to, first of all, a fire alarm. Mm-hmm. right? They, evac- they literally evacuated the building because... Somewhere in the hotel multiplex, there was a fitness center and that had a faulty fire sensor. So yeah, the fire yeah. trucks come yeah. in and the right. guys are rushing in. and it's, uh, Very handsomely done though. I'll, I'll say that. The, the hotel staff, very professional about it. Like we came up the stairs mm-hmm. for the evacuation, They were already out there with vis vests and walkie-talkies and getting, you know, hurting the people out of the hotel. Some folks in bathrobes and so forth. It was... Since there wasn't no a real danger, it was kind of hilarious. So then we went in, had a had a day full of it was panel sessions and focus sessions and the typical sort of conference program, and in between you were know, ample breaks where we would have full traffic, and that was good for us because we had interesting conversations, and we brought you'll know this we brought a, a product demo, right, for lack of a better yeah. word. So. We had we brought a diagnostic with us, like an online survey tool people could take to assess their marketing and how helpful it probably is in the marketplace, self-scoring exercise. And then if they had not too great scores, which some of them admitted outright they had, and wanted to improve it, we actually gave them sort of a DIY workshop kit. I still have them here. You the can see those, but it comes in an envelope. It has a bunch of canvases, I think six or seven, uh, where the front page is the canvas with some instructions, and the back, the backside is then the filled-out canvas with an example. The example being it just so happens client-friendly, right? So how do, for people how, who can't how...
0: see it, it looks really cool.
1: Yeah, it's very professionally made. Christian Amthor from Kama Creative. Who's responsible for
0: most of our graphics in the podcast as well. Yeah, I also
1: designed Anbila's logo, that's correct.
0: He did it and
1: it's very professionally done, professionally printed. and So good value in terms of the haptics and the optics. And yeah, we had a couple of people take those away. We had good discussions and I think that's enough about our exhibit. What might be interesting for the listeners was topics of the day were um, overall market situation for consulting firms in Germany, uh, i'll summarize this under the headline the in terms of marketing stuff is shifting back to business development and commercial yep. propositions and winning the work and that's a change from previous mm-hmm. years where it was everybody has more work than they can do and it was all about hiring so now, hiring uh, on the other hand was the, the word on the floor was again i, 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 mean, I, I wanted to touch credit, on that
0: yeah? bit that yeah. you were saying that because um when I'm seeing a lot of mid and smaller firms, their teams seem very interesting. Teams across Europe have way more business development and sales type teams that do marketing. They're not exactly marketing. These are just biz dev people, but they've just defined that this is the marketing function. And lots of firms in like the industrial and public sector and stuff within uh, North America that I do mean like Canada and the US here, they seem to have a heavy reliance and focus on internal communications, uh, especially the ones that keep buying small firms. Those, their key focuses seem to be on internal communications and events. The firms in, within Asia seem to be focused a lot on the demand generation side, some in Europe too, mostly demand generation and digital marketing. And the comms side, The rest of it, media relations is fairly like the same across some, either they have or they don't have. But I've been noticing this as a thing in firms who are less than like 700 people. And it's uh, a bit consistent.
1: Interesting. I mean, I should caveat this for saying, right. So, so the the story was hiring is sort of no longer burning issue. It used to be Uh, the pressure has come out there because the, well, the tech companies have, Mm -hmm. Made a bunch of people redundant. So, smaller consultants can snatch those experts up if they're so inclined. There are, I mean, this is a, you got it. There are, there's nuances in that as well, right? Because if you spoke to headhunters on site, they were there. They said in the cases where there is a recruiting need and they want to go after people, they have a harder time because of the the market overall seeming to soften up as you go into 2024. Also means people are more reluctant uh, or hesitant about leaving one job to go for another. So that's that was the news there in the hiring story. I will say to all of this, the caveat here is this is Germany. This is the German market where if you're reading the news, we are again labeled segment of Europe. GDP growth is sluggish or whatever. Right now, the manufacturing industries we still have over here are reducing output or mm-hmm. expanding capacity or whatever. So there is an anticipation of less demand in the next year. So that's where that comes from. So, okay, but that was the big market story. The sort of more topical thing of the day was of course, AI and how do we use it and yeah. why do we use it? And especially if we're a mid-sized firm. sized firms, by the way, because you said 700 people. I think on that show floor, I would argue that 25 full-time professionals and upwards. So we're so much smaller. Uh, although that tends to be the size when you start having marketing. Mm -hmm. a team of one, maybe, right? For a 25 to 30 people firm. So marketers were there, were present. AI was the topic and how to use it in those smaller firms. And what I thought was interesting was that the panelists and the keynote speakers have had all these great ideas and the use cases and why you should do it and so forth. But they could not really answer the key questions the smaller firms brought. And those were two. One being, okay, how can I use this in compliant ways, ensuring I actually own the result, protect my client's data, right? Although you and I have touched upon this stuff, right? The, yeah. the legal and uh, privacy and data protection ramifications of using these AI models, unclear, right? Mm-hmm. And the second thing, and, and then this leads into the, I'll close it there. But the second question was, if I am on a time and materials, bill by the hour type of business model, which many of the From present, Mm -hmm. there still were, at least to some extent. How do I handle this influx of AI? Do I keep the Mm -hmm. productivity gains for myself, essentially charging the client for an hour, although the AI does it in two minutes? That doesn't seem right. Or do I charge the two minutes and lose the revenue, right? What's the right balance there? And there were also not too many specific answers, although that was not focused on the program, but those were the discussions in the break. And I think the obvious answer is, well, you've got to change the business model to some extent. you got to do these things you and I talk about, right? Package services or them even so that you mm-hmm. can get out of the time and materials by the hour model, even though time will still underpin the pricing there. But uh, so it's business model transformation for the consulting firms. And uh, funnily enough, the the BDU, the, the organizer had a, a quick poll that people could drop table tennis mm-hmm. balls into plastic tubes. What was the toughest challenge? And I honestly forgot what the alternatives was, were because the one that hold, held the most balls at the end of the day, by far, like like second to, the the second one was like way off. was business model transformation. So there are more modernization pressures now with AI in the consulting team than yeah. you and I usually talk about. And these firms feel it. And not all of them feel like they have the answers yet. So... Oh.
0: It's very interesting because in the last two weeks, also, we've had most of the AI conferences and stuff, and I get invited to yeah. some of these things. One thing that's really interesting now is the fact that OpenAI has essentially just said that there's GPT for all. So essentially, you can create your own little generative program. <laughs> uh, you can basically create uh, that one that suits your needs. and the key thing here is it takes natural language input and doesn't require programming.
1: Yeah. It's, which it's, is, it's advancing rapidly, but
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, the thing is people still need to remember that it's more of an efficiency simulator and efficiency program by taking vast amounts of input to do all that programming. Some, I, I see lots of comments talking about the end of programming end of need of programmers and all that kind of stuff. But you're a linguist. You studied linguistics, and I studied like yeah. you know computer science. And I can tell you that the end game for programming was to make it natural language. That was always the end game. Yeah, it was not to just for you to learn like things starting from like ASM to Fortran to Pascal to yeah. And it's co-hosts. all my it's
1: all my it's all my now very rich and overpaid coeds. Former coeds did was go from linguistics right into these structural grammar programming languages or LLM. I mean, the yeah. ling- the linguistic or the structural science and, and models behind these large language models are decades old. Like I learned a bunch yeah. of that stuff in university. Yes. I'm not saying I have any clue about it, but we had that on curriculum because that was always there or has been for a long time. What was missing was the was the hardware horsepower to actually crunch the numbers yes. uh, in a way that worked. So, uh, sorry,
0: that was a tangent. Yeah, but yeah, my my thing is because we were talking about AI. There is that yeah. algorithms have existed way in the past. We're talking about like BC. Algorithms have existed for thousands of years. That's nothing new. It's been there in mathematics. Programming languages were just hard to do in terms of natural languages because we didn't have the know-how to like convert machine language into something that is a language that's spoken especially given the fact that human languages evolve every decade
1: yeah
0: and yeah. so now that I mean, we're having if t-
1: yeah, I think your your point
0: was that the stuff gets more powerful, it gets more easy to use and so forth. Yes. Right? So now um, we're having efficiency models, efficiency simulators and stuff. New languages and adaptive languages can come in that you can program in natural language. That would be the case. That's not something, that's always something that you should have planned for. That's not something new. The thing is. New business model development here. If you're coming up, if there's going to be open GPTs that you can basically program for your needs, that is forming a basis of what your model is. You just need to focus on the area of work that you need to do. Like it's always specialization with a general fo- generalist focus. That's how you need to do most of your business models. So you need to, even if you're selling supply chain transformation, You need to know about digital transformation. So, now if you're focusing on like GPTs, maybe you can create one that helps you like create all the optimization, integration, all the kinds of codes within your space. But at the same time, remember that there is a wider like transformation stuff going on, and transformation stuff will keep happening. It's just the mode of transformation will change. Like right now, the most things is, I mean, if you really look at it, all the transformation that we're seeing in the last 20, 30 years is essentially people moving from large filing cabinet rooms where people still held manual ledgers to systems like Salesforce and you know SAP and stuff like that, where everything is digital and it's connected. There are efficiencies, there are things, but that's one transformation. Once we move from this, we'll jump into yet another. Transformation is consistent. The key thing is how do we manage transformation? How do we manage change? How do we solve for the problems that come in? Business model transformation will always be a part of it. But if you think that what you're doing right now is enough, you should not be in the business of transformation because... As things change, you change, and as you change, things change. It's always but, that way.
1: But but here's the thing. I mean, th- this these are all very valid points. The and I think the the participants on the event saw those. By the way, it was interesting to see the case studies. These guys, the 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 large firms, um, yeah. deploying those. So IBM was there. Google's, I think, head of consultancy partnerships for Europe was there. So. It was interesting to see how they use them. For example, I was surprised by how many of the use cases were not about generative AI actually generating stuff, but large language models being deployed to do information retrieval. For example, you would feed a model huge amounts of contracts, right? Like lawyer stuff, because the let's say there's a mergers and acquisitions type thing. And you need to, two banks are merging, and you need to figure out, are there any conflicts of interest buried in their many client obligations? You just feed them all the paperwork and have the AI highlight the stuff that needs checking, which mm-hmm. I, I'm presuming, I don't know how these processes usually run, not too long ago in the past would have been a junior bill by the hour type job. So people just going through reams of paperwork, finding the paragraphs or whatever, where it's an issue. Now you can do that very quickly now. And this is where all the questions came from. Like, yeah, but that, you know, if reviewing mountains of paperwork makes up 20%, 25% of your revenue, what do you do with that? So, and, but the problems that then persisted, and because you mentioned ChatGPT is that damn machines tend to hallucinate sometimes or make up stuff that's not true or identifies false positives and so forth. So how do you handle that? And the answer of course is, humans make similar mistakes, right? Your juniors also Mm -hmm. might miss something or whatever. But what is then what's the liability and all these things. So the practicality of this stuff still in question, while to your point, the technological capabilities are seem to, you know, seem to, I don't know, explode in 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 usefulness every two months or so. So it was an interesting thing to see. And I'm not saying I have the answers, I'm just recapping that was the gist of the event. In closing, because we have a small topical thing as well, which we'll give to people and maybe we can maybe do that in 10 minutes. But what was also interesting to see was that there was, this was a two, an event of two generations. So I saw it. So you had elderly, senior owners, principals, directors of consultancies, right? Who've been in this game for a while. Mm -hmm. And now trying to steer their practice or their entire firm into the appropriate directions. But they brought with them or, or came accompanied by younger folk, I'm putting air quotes here because, I don't know, people in their mid-30s, 40s, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, preparing to or currently stepping into the leadership, tomorrow's leadership role. So it was interesting to see how that played out in terms of um, the stance they take towards AI, the strategies they have in mind, and then also the conversations we had, right? Like what's the right way to develop business for the firm to, to go to market? You know how much is marketing-led versus sales-led and so forth in the future. Varying opinions there, but I think that's, again, the, the conclusion of the higher-level theme is, there is pressure in the firms because of generation changes, outside of the firms because of AI and whatnot, market forces, mm-hmm. to, if not completely overhaul, I don't think that's what we're saying, but to really yeah. rethink and re-engineer the consulting business model. I'm very interested in, in seeing and how that will play out. So I don't know. That was a very that was a very high level sort of let's talk about the business of consulting discussion. Uh, if you're not against it, I'll bring it back to consultancy marketing, which is one yes, of people I think we should get into that because we
0: did go a little <laughs> towards the, the yeah. end,
1: and and you and I discussed this, and I I have to admit I have not done that, but I like the idea. You and I discussed this that as we get towards December and the closing of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, we, do, we do planning, we maybe do reviews and stuff. We wanted to add a little tool to people's arsenal, which was the communications review or t- or touchpoint review or whatever we call it, right? Yes. Um, where the idea was, what, listing all the communications or the most mm-hmm. important ones a client of the firm might receive throughout the year. The idea is mm-hmm. to A, uh, find, of course, opportunities, gaps, whatever in the stuff you're doing, but maybe also identifying touch points where uh, you could do a little better in terms of the quality of the interaction. Is that a fair? I think that's identity? a fair
0: thing to say, yeah.
1: And uh, the idea of doing it, and sorry, but I forgot to say, the idea here is to really capture all the communications. So that goes from your marketing stuff into the sales stuff, into onboarding materials, the sort of transactional emails, Right. Opt-in confirmations, yep. that type of stuff. But then also just basic client experience stuff, right? How many emails did they get from your finance department and what's in them and so forth. So the more of those you can capture, the better. And the idea of this framework then is to see once you've built your list, whether you can get a handle of the frequency, right? Like how mm-hmm. often would I receive an email from the finance department versus a marketing newsletter, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The typical reasons which that one to me is interesting if you think about the marketing newsletters, right? Why do we keep sending them to you? (laughs) Is there a good reason or are you stuck in some nurturing comparing where you shouldn't even be in? The average quality, I'm guessing this is where you have to have a scoring exercise in the marketing team or whatever. Yes. Um, And the outcomes, again, a bit of a broader, softer focus here. You can just capture that. But again this the, the idea here is not to arrive at some very hard very specific scientific numbers the idea is to look across the entire client experience and see are we sending stuff we shouldn't be sending or that don't need to be sending which way this mm-hmm. is where you could recoup some money or some time for next year's marketing plan uh, are we sending stuff that makes sense but is not up to spec and is there mm-hmm. maybe gaps or opportunities in the mix
0: yeah i think what you're saying is essentially do an audit
1: yeah do an audit sounds sounds easy right it's probably easier for larger firms where you have decent tracking on stuff like emails going out or whatnot right? yes sending yeah. them from one system but i think in a smaller form you can probably ballpark it again the value of the exercise is not in getting it hundred percent correct, but in mm-hmm. actually sitting down, going through the list and having it think about mm-hmm. it. And if you're not sure about something, looking at the pieces. And I think there are some areas of, or there are some opportunities for improvement. I do see a lot um, mm-hmm. and I just pick point, pick pinpoint, pick whatever one of them. I know for a fact, because I don't know, eight years or so ago, I did actual some research on that interviewing people, I guess, 60 or so senior managers up to executive level in in client companies, so clients of consultancies, asking them about what they knew about a specific firm. And the outcome of that survey was that a significant share of these people had the information about what they think the firm does and the brand stands for from recruiting events and messaging, right? The idea being You are a graduate student in an MBA program. You go to the career days of insert consultancy brand here. You listen to their spiel a little bit, and then you decide it's not for you, and you move on, and you become an executive at, I don't know, some pharma company. Ten years later, I come in, give you the survey questions, and you say, oh, yeah, that consultancy, aren't they about? And then you insert something which is not true anymore, but that's the last you heard from them because of their recruiting materials. Now, here's the takeaway for listeners. If you think of communications or or messaging or touch points as shopping windows, once your firm has a certain size, the largest and most spectacular window you'll likely have is the recruiting one. That's where most of the messages go. out. That's where most of, if not all of the quote unquote advertising, you do go out, right? Many firms I work with don't do any advertising at all, but they have job ads. And so I think there's often a huge opportunity in reviewing what does it say in those about our firm and just have the messages we are trying to yeah, I make mean, or uh, it's just someone copying the same template since nineteen. It's important
0: because I do know uh, for a fact that lots of firms have been hosting job ads for jobs that don't even exist within the company just to show that they're growing. It's a weird little... <laughs> psych thing that they're doing but i've seen this yeah, and i know this for a fact because i've also spoken to recruiters from those firms that there are jobs that they spoof and put out just because they need to show that their firm is organically growing and that's the reason why they need to hire while oh. they do have genuine ones there's also spoofed ones just
1: Well, also there's strategies, right? Like hiring. Yeah, yeah. so you need to make sure that the thing that you're putting
0: out there as a marketing thing is, um, you know, a valid, your copy there actually makes sense and it's not just some cut and paste thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm not trying to convince people to spam folks. Um, Yes. But this would be my second recommendation. If clients hear from you every month, through mm-hmm. your finance department because they get an invoice by mail maybe look at the footer of that invoice mailing it could be a place to put a link for your podcast for example just yeah saying. just say. um obviously that doesn't make sense in all the cases because your electronic mm-hmm. invoice going to some huge shared service center it's not something the Your intended audience will see, but depending on how the client relationships work, right? These might be ideas. That's the idea of the review. And we can leave everybody here because we've been going on forever. Do a review. Be smart about the touch points you have with clients. I'm not talking about prospective clients here. And see if there's anything you can either save or kill, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Improve or start doing if you don't have it as of today. That's all I have.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That is a good point for us to say. Do we need a recap?
1: Do we need to recap? No, that's it. (laughs) There we go. Audit your touch points, people. That was it. Build it. It's like a spreadsheet with the columns. Okay. I could recap that to be fair, right? Let me Mm -hmm. look at my notes again. So we said list the type, right? Like letters, invoices, brochures, mailings, telephone, reception, website, email, all that stuff. Account meetings. Oh, the example I have here also lists the meetings. That's interesting. I hadn't spoken about that. Then the columns you want to do is frequency, typical reasons, average quality, and the outcomes. And you can have a group discussion about that and see if yes. you find something interesting. I liked that small and practical. And quick tips. I'll say, let's conclude it here.
0: Yeah. And did I stop the
1: recording? Yes.
0: And have yeah. a great weekend when you get to it.
1: Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for listening and speak soon. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Unveilable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.